0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 244 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's episode was going to be called a number of different things. I almost called it Jelly Babies. There was a moment when I really considered making it Kiwi in Australia. And for a hot second I thought, this episode is definitely gonna be called Sensitive Wee Soul. I was so close to Sensitive Wee Soul. When I decided to name it instead, Bushwhacking with Justin. I greatly look forward to all of you complaining to me later that the titles have nothing to do with the episodes. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Dexcom, Dancing for Diabetes, and Omnipod. Please go to dexcom.com forward slash juicebox or dancing4diabetes.com to find out more. There's of course also links in your show notes right there in your podcast player at juiceboxpodcast.com.
1: All right. So uh, my name is Justin Saunders. I'm a New Zealand diabetic, currently living with my family in Australia. Uh, I've been a diabetic since 2011, a late starter. How old are you now? I am 41.
0: Not too late. I've, I've heard later, but that uh, definitely was probably a
1: surprise, I would imagine. Oh, very much a surprise, yes. Very much a surprise.
0: Any background in your family at all or anything? Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and to always consult a physician before making any changes to a health plan or becoming bold with insulin.
1: I think I've got a couple of family members that are diabetics, but it's never been you know, it's always we think they were, but we don't really know what type of diabetes they had. And um my mum's got a couple of autoimmune conditions as well, so That's very common. Yeah, I just managed to get the diabetes version of the autoimmune rather than the other things that she's got going on. Who made out better, you or your mum? Oh no, she's got um you know that uh Vitilago. Okay pigment and she's got thyroid issues so currently for me it's just straight diabetes
0: my wife and my daughter have the thyroid and it's it, it sucks so although i might i might coin flip the vitilago for the type one that doesn't sound too bad <laughs> you said new zealand are living with their family in australia originally from australia
1: no no i'm born and bred in new zealand so your family moved I'm, to Australia. I married an Australian girl. Ah, okay. Now we're getting to uh, About 11 11 years ago, and yeah, she's, um, obviously her family's in Australia, so we moved back two years ago to be closer to them. I see. I I see. 15 years, I think, in New Zealand with me.
0: And now it's your turn.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Do you miss home, or or are you enjoying Australia?
1: No, I I do really miss home. Very much a homeboy. Mm Mm-hmm. But um it's been a great move for um for our kids at least. My wife, she's done really well in her career. Um, we shifted on to a very small island in Sydney. And um the only way on and off it is by boat. So the um the boys just wander. Now it's like in the old days, you don't get worried about them getting picked up by anybody or anything exciting like that. So we just allow them to wander and play with their friends, really. How many people live on the island? Good question. And the question lots of people ask and I don't actually know the answer, but it's it would be less than a thousand.
0: I was gonna say is a thousands, tens of thousands, it's less than a thousand people. Yeah. So even yeah. if someone did snatch your children, it would probably only take you about seven hours to figure out who had them.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> that really sounds like that sounds like a wonderful throwback. it it, it really must feel like it's 1950, I guess, when you do something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's really good. I mean, the only way the kids can get off is if they jump on the ferry or jump on someone else's boat. Mm-hmm. And one would like to think our boys are, are smart enough to, um, you know, not do that with strangers. But remains to be seen, I suppose. How old are they? Uh, they, uh, one turns five on Thursday, and then we've got a seven and a ten-year-old.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. Well listen, you'll find out how smart they are pretty soon.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, they haven't let us down so far.
0: <laughs> That's the name of your children's book. You haven't let us down so far.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Good one. I'll make a note of that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, if you're ever writing it, I'll I'll take a small credit. It's fine. <laughs> um so okay, so you move it sounds like you moved back. You know, your wife gave you some time in New Zealand. You came back to Australia, she's got business prospects there. Uh you were diagnosed probably about four years into your marriage. So can you tell me what that was like a little bit? Like what was it like to to I guess tell me your story. I guess how did you figure out you had type one and and, and walk me through that a little bit?
1: Well I, I was I was quite lucky um in that I was working as a um what we call in New Zealand an intensive care paramedic. Mm-hmm. Um and I went out The wife and I went out to hang out with some friends, made a really sweet dessert, um, ate that. The next morning, got up at 4 o'clock or whatever it was to go to work, felt off, and so jumped into the back of the ambulance and just took a blood sugar. Um, It came back at 7.5, I'm not too sure what that is in American speak, but uh, it's... You know, it's, a, it's, it's at the higher end of normal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And after eight hours of not having had anything sweet, it was, that's a bit bizarre. So of course. I ended up going to the doctor a couple of days later. He did all the tests, came back and said, there's a high chance you are. So he sent me to an endocrinologist who did the um, antibody blood test and a couple other things and came back and said, yeah, you're, you're type 1 diabetic. Obviously in the honeymoon period, and um, he predicted within five years I'd be full-blown diabetic, and I don't think I'm quite there yet. So.
0: Interesting, because I just pulled up the conversion chart, and 7.5 is 135. It it they definitely say if you have a fasting blood sugar, I've always heard over 130, or I guess in your situation about over one about over seven, that that was type one. Uh, but so how so you you feel like you're still honeymooning now, even this many years later?
1: Yeah, to an extent it is. I think things are slowly now catching up with me. But um, like, depending on if I have a very high-carb meal, I don't know what, what it would be, but um, I would probably take between seven and may, maybe 10 units, but 10 units would be very generous for me. Okay. If I went kind of more salad and meat, low-carb, then I'd only be looking at like two or three units. Um so I feel that's probably a little bit on the lower side of what a full-blown diabetic would take.
2: Yeah. And
1: it's only really been in the last, I don't know, two or three months maybe, maybe a little bit longer that I've actually upped my Lantus, and I'm now currently sitting on six units of Lantus at night before I go to bed.
0: And that's what I, that was going to be my next question. How do you manage? So you're you're injecting?
1: Yep. Okay, yeah, I am.
0: And do you have a glucose monitor? I do, yep. Which which do you have? You don't... I. I... I think I looked on your um Instagram. Is that the Libre? I
1: use use the well, I used to use the Libre quite a bit, but I haven't used it since Christmas. Oh sorry, no, scratch that. I've used one sensor since Christmas, but they the last two or three I've had have actually become quite um inaccurate. Okay. And they were kind of maybe one and a half to two millimole difference. Um, between a finger stick and what the Libre was saying.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: G- um, and I had the um, the Meow Meow, or however it's pronounced, but that died on me, so I've just gone naturales, I suppose you could call it, <laughs> and Dex- for a little while.
0: Dexcom's not available in Australia, is it?
1: Uh, the G5 is, the G5. I believe. The G6 isn't, but it's really, really expensive, and we don't get um, insurance coverage here for it
0: okay
1: all right well that makes so a lot of sense um, it's about i have worked it all out and if if you did it to you know the letter of the law seven days or whatever the g5 is mm-hmm. it was something like four and a half thousand dollars a year yeah. um for the the dexcom system whereas the libre if you work it out it was two and a half i think
0: okay and and you were saying yeah. it could have been off by as much as as to mmols. It's that's for people listening in America and other places. That's the difference between like a one twenty six and a one sixty two blood sugar. That would be that would yeah. be two. Okay, so that's significant. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But you found, so you found this inaccuracy, which I guess led you away to something else. And then you mentioned something that I'm not even aware of. Um, I guess something that's available there that's a, a glucose monitor.
1: I'd say it's, it's, no, it's, a, it's just a transmitter. So it's a Bluetooth transmitter oh. that sits on top of the Libre sensor. And then it transmits by Bluetooth to your phone. So it becomes a, a proper CGM.
0: And is that like an aftermarket? That's not sold by the company, is it?
1: No, no, it's aftermarket. It's aftermarket. And then that failed on you. I see. How are you... Yeah, when it works, it works really well.
0: People have said that about me. When I work, I work really well. (laughs) Um, so, So tell me something. So you've had glucose sensing technology that wasn't continuous. You've had it that was continuous. And now you don't have it at all. Do you have a preference? Or are you using such a little amount of insulin it's not really causing you a problem yet?
1: Um, I, it depends on where I'm at. <coughs> Sorry. It no, no. depends on where I'm at, really. Okay. It's, um, I'm kind of enjoying not having access to all that data because I was starting to feel a bit overwhelmed by it. I, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a bit too much. Um, I'm trying to get a new um, meow meow thing I'm trying to get in contact with them to say this one's broken within the year, but their customer service isn't very good. Um, so if I get get a new one of those, I probably would use it. Put the sensor back on again, but you know, the, the Libre sensor here in Australia is $92.50 for two weeks. So it's, it's also quite expensive.
0: Yeah, sure. No, I don't think people appreciate that. Well, I mean, I guess you do. I don't, I have insurance, right? So I know my stuff's covered. It doesn't cost us a bunch of money, and I don't spend a lot of time thinking what would I pay for this if it was cash. But even, like you said, even a hundred dollars for every two weeks is excessive. It's a, it's 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 an extra cost that you you very well may not have now. If your wife worked a little harder because you did work, you didn't move home for her job. So if she oh, right. if she would just break her butt a little more for you, I mean, no, I'm just joking. Um, so so when you reached out to me. Initially, You sort of alluded to not maybe taking as good of care of yourself as you maybe wished you did at some point. Was that prior to diabetes or something that... Did you mean specifically with diabetes after your diagnosis?
1: Uh, it's more specific to diabetes.
0: I say a word, you repeat it in your mind so that you don't forget. Dancing, the number four, diabetes.com. I should go to dancingfordiabetes.com. After that, I'll check out their Instagram page and maybe even see what they're doing on Facebook. Dancingfordiabetes.com. That's dancing, number four, diabetes.com. So when you reached out to me, you sort of alluded to not maybe taking as good of care of yourself as you maybe wished you did at some point.
1: I don't know how, how your daughter goes but with me I kind of fluctuate depending on what's going on in my life I can you know be low carb using very little insu- insulin doing exercise and then a couple of months down the track something happens and I'm eating high carb using very little insulin and you know sitting around <laughs> home watching TV
0: and your blood your blood sugar so, rises and 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 so it depend and it's interesting too because I eat very in specifically as well. Like I'll go on a kick with something and have it for weeks. And then I look up and I realize I haven't eaten it in six months and, you know, and back and forth. And you're really talking about like from going to extremes, you know, taking like really kind of quality care of yourself to all of a sudden being like, Hey, a cupcake. What if I had three of those? Okay. (laughs) And, and, and so that's, um, so you don't have any trouble, when you're doing it, and by doing it, I mean like when you're being more careful with your with your intake, you don't have trouble with it. But then all of a sudden, you do.
1: Yeah, I just you know, life just gets in the way, and you'll sit down and have a bag of chips.
0: You no, know? no, no, I completely no, I completely understand it. We were we were grocery shopping this evening, and I am. So I had to have a blood test done, and it, it showed some numbers, and the doctor said to me, hey, it's possible you might be allergic to these couple things, uh, but I'd like to find out by having you avoid them for six weeks and then retake the blood test. And I was like, okay. I said, what do you mean allergic? And he's like, do you have this tiny allergen to just two things, wheat and corn. Well, Justin wheat and corn is pretty much in everything. So he basically <laughs> yep. he basically said you have a tiny allergy to food, and and I was like, uh, okay, well, I, you know, I want to know if that's true or not. And you know, this kind of fast for six weeks will tell me. And we were at the grocery store today, walking around, and I just was getting hungrier and hungrier for things I didn't even want. I, there was something I looked at, I don't even know if I liked it. I thought, oh, I would eat that right now, and and. Yep. And I don't have the kind of, it's funny, I'm doing the fast. So obviously I have all the willpower in the world. I'm three weeks into it and I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I haven't had bread. I haven't had, you know, anything with corn in it, you know, which is extensive, a potato chip, which God love you, who would want a potato chip? And you know, like, and all this stuff. So I don't have any trouble with the, with it, but the minute the six weeks are over, I'm fairly certain I'm going to eat a loaf that. of bread by myself <laughs> so, if these blood tests don't show me that I shouldn't be. And I do wonder that about myself. Like, how can I be, like, in one space and then go to another one? It sounds like a, a very similar thing happens to you. I'm sure it happens to a lot of people because it's ease, right? Like, it's yeah, so much you know, so much stuff I looked at tonight. It was the idea that I wouldn't have to cook it, prepare it. It was just there. It was, like, in a bag or in a container. And I thought, look how easy that is. I could just... Do that right now and and you know this other it's, it's, thing sucks
1: it's comfort food as well you know I, I grew up in New Zealand in New Zealand it's fish and chips.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's what you had on a Friday night that's what you had on the weekend and now hot chips just I find it very hard to resist hot chips when they're sitting there I know I shouldn't eat them because they destroy my blood sugars and it normally arrive before I even think of pre-bolusing anything. So they're there. So you eat them and then you suffer for the next three hours because your blood sugars are too high or... And you feel terrible. You know, you're bloated because you've just eaten a whole lot of carbs.
0: I wonder how much of that, as you're saying it, is being diagnosed as an adult, like having, I mean, you had Mm. 33 years, right? Where you didn't think twice about anything like that. So I, I wonder if it is that, like I, you know, don't get me wrong. Arden doesn't, you know, every time Arden goes to eat, she's not like, hey, Dad, I'm thinking of eating something, so we should probably pre-ball us now 20 minutes ahead of time. Like, you know, we all kind of keep track of that, you know, her, I, my wife. We all kind of pay attention to it. Um, and so everybody's helping out. But we've always thought this way. I mean, so as long as yeah. I can remember, we've thought this way. But you you, you live the whole life not thinking like that.
1: Yeah, well, when I was, when I was first diagnosed, I did spend some time – kind of thinking that being diagnosed as an adult is probably harder to adjust to than being diagnosed as a child. Um, but my thought process has changed over the years because, yes, now I've developed 30-odd developed years' worth of eating habits and exercise habits and all the other habits, good and bad. But then when you're diagnosed as a child, you've then got to grow up And you, you know, you get to teenage years, the hormones kick in and your friends kick in and you've got all that pressure as well. So my thought process has now developed to, I don't think there is a good time (laughs) to get diabetes. I was going to say, there's never a good time to get type 1 (laughs) diabetes. (laughs) I don't think any time is better than the other. Right. I think it's just all.
0: Positives and negatives to each kind of like age range. There is, yeah. there is. You know, I, I actually, I've interviewed somebody that was diagnosed in their 60s once and they kind of spoke about, you know, you've been through so much of your life already, like eating was almost a little boring at some points. It was kind of easy just to make sure what they ate because they weren't thrilled to be eating all the time to begin with. And I actually have to tell you, as I approach 50, I'm starting to think about food like that. Like, it's hard to get excited anymore. You know, you said fish and chips, which sounded amazing when you said it, but at the same time, at what point do you think you have it and you just go, you know what, that was the last time. I have had this one too many times. And it makes me think of my, my buddy's grandmother who lived into her 90s and we went and visited her. This is 20 years ago. She's been dead for you know a quarter of a century. But we went to visit her one day at her place and she is in her 90s sucking down cigarettes with one hand and eating pound cake with the <laughs> other hand. Yep, And... She said she drank tea, smoked cigarettes, and ate pound cake. She didn't consume anything else. And we walked out of there, and I said to my friend, I was like, well, she'll be dead in three weeks. He goes, he's been eating like that for 10 years. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And no kidding, man. She went on for a good long time still, cigarettes and pound cake. So yeah, yeah she just didn't have a taste for anything else at that point in her life. And and I do wonder if maybe that doesn't help. And then, you know, you'll hear people make the argument, well, if you're diagnosed sooner, you don't really know any better, so there's nothing to miss. And if you're an adult, then you should know better, and maybe you have a little more control over yourself there's it's all b s it, it it really is yeah in the end, having to say to yourself, "I'm going to eat in a half an hour it's just not fun like like there's nothing fun about it no. <laughs> i mean there's there's no. nothing there nothing good about that at the same time, as you're talking, what I hear is you know if you prebolist, this would change things for you yep yeah can
1: you it would. Can
0: you talk a little bit about what it's, about that, whether or not it's a conscious decision, unconscious decision, but how that process goes, you know, put me, put me in your shoes an hour before dinner tonight. Where are you at?
1: Like mentally, I, I mean, are you thinking about um,
0: diabetes or where, what are you doing?
1: Gen- generally not. Generally, dinner gets served up or, you know, I've finished making it and then I go, oh, that's right. I probably should take some insulin. Um, diabetes, especially at the moment, isn't something that's right at the front of my mind. I'll take insulin when I, you know, when I'm eating or when I make breakfast. I'll take some insulin before I eat it. Um, I have generally have porridge every morning, so that's for me that's quite a good trigger because I'll take insulin be- as I start preparing the porridge. But pretty much for everything else, I generally just. I don't even think about insulin until the food's there, and then it's like, well, wow, I probably should have done something a bit sooner right
0: and and do you know what the like what the sticking point is for you like why why you don't make that leap because you also discussed feeling like hell after your blood sugar's high and 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 that whole thing so i I mean listen, I'm not judging you at all i i I have you know looked at a pizza and thought I should only have one slice of that. And then four slices later, thought, huh, I've let myself down pretty heartily here. <laughs> so, uh, and so, but I'm, I'm maybe digging for myself as much for, as for anybody else. And I just didn't know if you had a, if you had like a theory about why that happens or why you don't make an adjustment to it. And, and what do you think it would take for you to kind of mindfully make that adjustment?
1: Just a mindset for me, I think. Um, I think part of my problem is that I caught the diabetes so early or what I think was so early Mm -hmm. that I've been on the honeymoon. I haven't had to take a huge amount of insulin until recently. So I'm still in that mindset that I'm on my, I'm still in the honeymoon that I don't need to really concentrate on working this thing out. Um, I think I've probably also got some, got a le- bit of a, a hangover from getting very grumpy at a public uh, diabetes specialist in New Zealand that kind of destroyed me right at the start of my diabetes career, and it's very been very hard to actually adjust and really start caring about diabetes.
0: What did that person do, and and how did it? How did it affect you? Has it happened yet? Is it summertime and you're being active or outside in the heat and your blood sugar's sort of all over the place and you're blind to what's happening and you thought, oh man, that guy on the podcast, he was right. I should get a Dexcom. Have you had that moment? Well, luckily for you, no time is a bad time to start your life with Dexcom. If you're the parent or the guardian or the caregiver or the loved one of a person with type 1 diabetes, with the Dexcom share and follow features, you can see their blood sugars remotely. That's with iPhone and Android. I know that's exciting and that's probably enough for you. You're probably like, Scott, I don't need to hear anymore. I'm, I'm gone. I'm doing it. Stop talking now. Nope. I have to keep talking. Direction and speed. Which way is it moving? How fast is it going there? There's a huge difference between an 85 blood sugar that is stable and an 85 blood sugar that's falling at like five points per minute. Do you want to know you know, am I 85 and I'm going to stay here or am I 85 and I'm going to be 75 in like 10 minutes? I need to know that. Did this food just miss me a little bit? Right? Like did I bolus and then I'm just going to go up a little or is my blood sugar shooting up? I need to know that's how I make good decisions. Those decisions begin with Dexcom, dexcom.com forward slash juice with links in your show notes or juiceboxpodcast.com. You could be living a completely different life with your diabetes very soon. And it all starts with this decision. What did that person do?
1: Uh, I w- when I was first diagnosed, I you know I went out, I did all the research, i looked for anything that may have been the cause of why I developed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went out, I read the old um, Dr. Bernstein book. Um, I read a couple of other books. It was all low-carb. I was eating really well, feeling really good about it all. And um, and then my diabetes nurse educator suggested that I go to this. Because um, we we've got a very very good public health system in New Zealand um, we do have private and it's we do have a little bit of private health insurance but it's not nowhere near the extent that America has Okay. Um, so this diabetes nurse educator, she was in the public system she suggested I go and see this public diabetes consultant at one of the hospitals um, and so I did and the first time I went to see him um, he ba- basically told me that I didn't need to take insulin, and I shouldn't be taking insulin. Um, And that he wanted me, my um, HbA1c wasn't essentially wasn't high enough for him, because I had an HbA1c of thirty-seven, I think, when I first went to see him, and he wanted it up at forty-eight by the the last day, the last time I saw him.
0: Okay.
1: And um, so he. Pretty much treated me like the status quo, I think. You know, people in the public health system are, are more used to seeing the status quo, the, the people who really don't aren't necessarily interested. You know, they, they see the, I don't want to insult or offend anyone, but they, especially where this guy was situated, it was the lower socioeconomic area of where we were living. Mm-hmm. So, you know, see, they see the worst of the worst, and they see so many people that they kind of develop this one-size-fits-all mentality, which it shouldn't be, Right. but that's how it is.
0: And so he he basically looked at you and said, look, your A1C is not high enough for
1: us to be treating you with insulin,
0: so go back to your life. When this gets worse, then we'll tackle it?
1: That's pretty much, I think, what he was getting at, yeah. Did you buy into that? He was... I, not really. I did to an extent. I actually did go away and I went off my um, rapid acting insulin Mm -hmm. for a short time until I went and saw him next. Um, And my HbA1c obviously had come up and I was still taking Lantus. I was still on the basal insulin. Okay. And the next time I saw him, he said, Yeah, your HbA1c, I think it was, I don't know, 40-something, 45 or 44 or something. He said, I want it up at 48, so how about you go off your Lantus? I was like, no, there's no way I'm going off my Lantus. And, um, oh, sorry. No, you're fine. Sorry, I just got a phone call. Um, And, yeah, I said, no, there's no way I'm going off my Lantus. And he then threatened me with loss of license and everything because he believed that I was probably having Pipo unawareness and having lots of lows when I didn't know. And obviously I was driving ambulances and things. And rightly he was concerned that I might have a low while driving and causing an accident. I mean, that's a genuine concern. Okay. Um, But he threatened to take away my livelihood by reporting me to the licensing authority in New Zealand. I see. Um, so that pretty much destroyed me then and there. Um, I'm a sensitive wee soul, I think. So I went out and had a big, massive amount of ice cream. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That sounds like a good
1: idea. Listen, I might've done the same thing. So destroyed, destroyed my blood sugars some more. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And then I the last, I only saw him, I think three times.
0: Yeah.
1: And the last time I saw him, I went back and we had a short, and I just said, look, the only reason I came today was to tell you I won't be back to see you again because um, you blackmailed me last time I was here. Yeah, And he didn't believe that he had, but you know, it is is so, what it is. So while you're talking
0: and I'm listening, I also pulled up a chart so that people can kind of understand what you were saying about your A1C. So tell me again, you went and saw him the first time and where was your A1C at? I
1: think it was well, it was it was below forty anyway.
0: Below forty, sure. so between so for so for for people in America and other parts of the of the world, between a five and a six. Yeah. So, so you had a yeah, you had just probably on the verge of a you know creeping up a one C, and where did he tell you yeah. he wanted it at?
1: Uh, he wanted it at least at forty eight, which
0: is six and a half. Yeah, and well beyond. Diabetic, so, yeah. and so he thought you were having. And now, do you feel like you were having any hypos that you didn't know about?
1: I no, no. In the, however, the seven years that I've been diagnosed as a diabetic, I've I've had hypos. Obviously,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I've never had anything that I haven't been able to deal with, and I've always woken up in the morning. You know, I've never had my wife's never had to jab me with glucagon or anything like that. So, I'm pretty sure that. Um, that I wasn't having you know, what he was concerned about.
0: Right. That's really it. That's,
1: and if I was, I knew how to, to handle it. for you anyway, help yourself so. just
0: like everybody else needs to be able to do. You, yeah. It's a strange story. Is that? Jeez. And now that you're okay, so so I want to try to put myself in your place if I can. So you. You have a strange diagnosis to begin with because it's not like you have full-blown, oh my gosh, hurry up and get insulin. You have times when you don't need very much insulin, times when you need a little more, never a ton. I mean, you talked about 10 units being a lot.
1: And would
0: you mind sharing with me
1: your weight? Currently, I'm 83 kgs. What's that, 180 pounds or something like that?
0: Okay, so you're, you're... an average size person. I mean, unless you're three feet tall, yeah. and so because uh, if you were three feet tall, 180 pounds, I don't think that would be right. But I think that you're an
1: uh, average,
0: <laughs> you're an average size person <laughs> of an average weight, right? And you're using 10 units. My daughter weighs 126 pounds, and she'll use 10 units for a meal. So yeah, so you still are not using a ton of insulin, or you're eating a little lower carb at times.
1: Well, if, if, if I was to do 10 units, I mean, that, I, I could probably count on one, maybe two hands that I've actually done 10 units for a meal.
0: What kind of a meal um, would Obviously, that
1: be? I don't always get it right, but it would be probably a meal of fish and chips that I would consider giving myself 10 units.
0: Okay, so like ba- batter um, plus protein plus oil plus a potato, you, you know, a starch. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm talking about with, with my daughter as well, like a lot of carbs like that she could use 10 units for um that's really your story is insane. Like I'm having a bit of a trouble wrapping my head around it to figure out where to go next, but I'm enjoying this. So so we're gonna feel our way through this. When you emailed me, now it's February now. I'm obviously not great at getting these things scheduled. You emailed me <laughs> you emailed me in August, so seven months ago. But it, it but seven months ago you said that you had found the podcast and the kind of given you uh maybe a jump start. Did that last for you, or are you where Where are you right now? I guess.
1: Um, it probably hasn't lasted as well as it was then.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really made me aware of pre bolusing of um exercise. And you now, pre bolusing is probably the big one because it's not something that um I was ever taught. Sure,
0: a lot of people know was.
1: It was really, um, it was really your podcast that actually reminded me, or made me have any real thoughts about free bolusing mm-hmm. I think I'd heard stuff about it previously, but it was really listening to your podcast and what everyone else says, and the way that you deal with your daughter's diabetes that that really kind of made me think about it, and has made me keep thinking about it. I'm not very good at it, but um, but I do, you know, I do think about it when I'm eating or when I'm preparing meals.
0: So let me ask you this. So when you, when you think about it, like, and you're actually accomplishing it when you, when you don't just think about it, but you do it, you put your insulin in before you eat. Are you avoiding your spikes altogether? Are you having them smaller? What were you able to accomplish?
1: Um, it kind of fluctuated. It was a bit of everything really depended on what I, eight um like as i said most mornings i'll have porridge but it'll be porridge with a bit of like blueberries Mm -hmm. with yogurt with some mixed seeds and stuff on top so it's reasonably carby meal right and some days i can give myself for that i can give myself pre-bolus if i inject before i even start preparing it so it takes about on the 15 minutes for it to be ready to eat right if i Pre-bolus, I can sometimes get away with about five units of insulin, mm-hmm. and it will keep the spike down. Sometimes it even doesn't really spike much at all. Okay, but so, then some days I can prepare the exact same meal. I can take the insulin at pretty much the exact same time, and my blood sugars will just spike up. It jumps. And when you had but, a when you yeah, had good, I'm sorry. When I when I say spike, I mean when I say spike, it's, you know, it might get up to 10 or 11, which is, I don't know what that is in the conversion, but 190, um,
0: 195, 200, like in that space. Yeah.
1: If, if I'm unlucky, it might get up that high. And that's um, not, so that's it's, not a crazy
0: spike, by the way, for a meal like that. Is, is that, now would that, would that number persist for hours or would you hit it and come back again?
1: Um, Depends on whether I'm wearing a sensor or not. If I'm not wearing a sensor, then I generally forget to test half an hour after I eat. I'm not a very disciplined diabetic. Um, but um, if I'm wearing a sensor and I see it going up, then I, I definitely will hit it okay. as soon as I can. It's generally after after an hour. Um, I'll give myself another one or two units and see what happens. Um, but yeah, if I'm not wearing a sensor, I'm You don't very think it's again.
0: Okay. So so here's so here's an interesting question, because I'm going to meld two things that you said together now. So you said earlier that you're a little happy not to have the sensor technology right now because you felt overwhelmed by it. Did you mean yeah. did you mean that it was constantly taking up your time and your, your thoughts? Or did you mean that it was reminding you to do the thing that you kind of wanted to forget to do?
1: I think it was just remind maybe just reminding me that it was there or you know you just get this constant flow a graph that shows you how good you're doing it shows you how bad you're doing and it gets a bit depressing if you're not doing very well okay with yeah. the ups and downs and and it's just yeah data overload i do a lot of data work my actual job and i think throwing that in on top at times just might get a little bit too much for me it's just, it's just it's too much so okay
0: so where are you i'm interested to know like where in your know, perfect world situation if i gave you a magic wand and i was like justin make your own reality do you want to be more involved Do you want to just do what you're doing and say this is as good as i can do right now like is it somewhere in the middle like what what would you hope for if you could just make it so
1: I would prefer to be more involved. I'd like to remember. I need to start setting alarms on my phone that half an hour after eating, test your blood sugars again. Yeah, um, I'm just a very unmotivated diabetic. Okay, so I suppose you could
0: <laughs> <laughs> the unmotivated diabetic. That's a. I'll tell you what. If it was ten years ago, Justin, you had a blog title there. So, yeah, <laughs> <Sure. laughs> that the blogs are dying. Long live the podcast. Anyway, we have. Hmm. So if, if I said to you, you know, we have 20 minutes left, would you want to chat more or would you want to talk about like concrete ways to make that change for yourself? My daughter Arden's birthday is mere days away, which means she is embarking on her 12th consecutive year of wearing the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. She got an early birthday present the other day you know what it was a 5.5 a1c at this point there are countless a1c's in the fives that have all come while wearing the omnipod and the omnipod's available to everybody not just to my daughter so you know maybe try it you don't have to take any big leaps that you can't get back from this isn't a eyes close off the cliff situation because omnipod has a free no obligation demo of their product that is right. If you go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box, Omnipod will send you out a free pod to try on and wear. And there's literally no obligation. It's not like now that they've sent it to you, you have to use it. It's not like that. You could just try it on and be like, I don't like this. And that could be the end of it. But what if you tried it on and that moment led to 12 consecutive years of happiness for you the way it has for Arden? That's got to be worth a try, right? I mean, it's free and there's no obligation. And guess what? Omnipod has updated their personal diabetes manager, the little controller that you carry to run the pod. Dash is available now. So you can decide between the OG PDM or the new Omnipod Dash. It's up to you. You get to choose. Understand what that means. You try out the free no obligation demo. You decide to move forward with Omnipod and you get to say to them, look, you know what? I think I'm going to take the dash PDM, not the older one, or I'm going to take the older one. I like it better than the dash or whatever. I have options. Isn't everything choice? MyOmnipod.com forward slash juice box the links in your show notes or juiceboxpodcast.com. Dash over right now and check it out. If I was you, I'd likely be you. But, yeah. but right, but <laughs> I know that. but if I was in your situation, <laughs> I would likely treat it the way you do. Yeah. But because I'm put in the, in the situation of taking care of a loved one, I don't feel like I have the luxury to be laxed because it's not me. You know what I mean? Like, like I can, I, I can treat myself poorly. I can't, I couldn't treat Arden poorly. Uh, and. Yeah. And it, it really is it's just truth I think it's a very human thing I think I you see it all the time with people I'm telling you I we just put up a podcast today episode 209 went up with a, a woman named Leah she had type 1 diabetes forever and never wanted a pump. Then the minute her son was diagnosed she thought that kid needs a pump yeah. and, and 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 boom put a pump on him and then got herself and then got herself one. But for years prior to that, just never thought she really needed it. She said she didn't. And it was all aesthetic, she told me. She's like, it didn't seem sexy to her to have a pump on. And so she just didn't want to do it. The minute it was about figuring it out for her son, boom, we all have insulin pumps. And so I don't know how a person, let alone you, puts onus on something that's not In the moment real yet because i mean it'd be easy for me to tell you you have three great kids you want to be alive and see them for as long as you can like that's an obvious thing right right and you don't not think that everybody understands that i'm you know we all feel the same way we've got families we want to be around for whether we have diabetes or not we're trying to stay alive as long as we can trying to be as healthy as we can for as long as we can and so um my assumption is you love those kids you've already had that thought and I've done the same thing, you know, in prior years with my weight. I thought I'd like to be a little thinner because I want to be around for my kids, right? And then I don't know what happens. Bread with butter is really good. Y- y- you know, like, like that. that's sort of an idea. If, I mean, if I'm going to have a steak, why don't I put some bread with it? You know, if i have a steak and bread. I yeah. might as well throw some shrimp on the side. <laughs> and, and You know, before you know it, you're having a, what I'm assuming is a 1500 car- calorie meal <laughs> with a ton of carbs in it. Um and, and you're kind of, yeah,
1: forget- I mean, don't don't get me, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not abusing myself. That's for sure.
0: No, no, no. I and I eat,
1: re- I eat reasonably healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I look after myself. I mean, my last hba one c that I had was 5.7. So it's, you know, it's back in that range now.
0: And that's amazing. And, and that goes to what you're saying where you think that you are very slowly like, is there, there's no world where you don't have type one, right? That it's some sort of a, like an alternative diagnosis that they're not getting right you have you had the um the protein test and the blood test to, to tell you for certain you have type 1 diabetes
1: yeah i've i've had i've had the antibodies test good which test for you know and it, and they're there um so yeah the, the endocrinologist i had in new zealand was really good and he ran me through all the tests and he said yep definitely there i haven't had a c peptide to see what um how much insulin I am still producing, mm-hmm. if any, but um other than that, I think I've had everything that I needed, so yeah, as far as I know, I'm diabetic.
0: you just have a tough pancreas that isn't given up that's all
1: yeah well, yeah, yeah, and i I think that comes down to the endocrinologist that I had, the first one mm-hmm. that I had because like my my g p he did. I went and saw him first, and he did the glucose fasting test and the tolerance test and a couple of other things, and came back and said, "Yes, you're diabetic." And then he sent me to this endocrinologist, and the endocrinologist checked me out, did all the blood tests and stuff, and I think my um, I, can't, I think my first HBA1C was somewhere in the high 40s. So what's that? The sevens or something? Yeah.
0: Which is not, and um,
1: right, yeah, it's it's <coughs> nowhere near excessive. Right. I know. Um, I mean, it, when I was in the ambulance service, they always told us between three and a half and seven is normal for a normal person. Mm-hmm. So it's not excessive at all. But right. um, as soon as my HBA1C, I think it hit fifty two, um, whatever that is, and. He, was, he then said, well, let's, let's put you on a little bit of insulin. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of doctors don't, or at least in the past, haven't gone down that road. They've just kind of gone, well, okay, let's adjust your diet. Let's do this. Let's do that. And insulin was the last thing that they did. Right. And the, I, I believe that there's a lot of research out there that says that get on the insulin faster and it will help preserve whatever beta cells you've got and it will either slow their destruction or stop the destruction of whatever you've got left, and I think that's where I've come out on top because the, I went on rapid-acting insulin and Lantus and stuff really early on in the piece.
0: Yeah, you are in such a you're in such a weird. It's a precipice, really, like because you said I'm again I'm on this chart. So a 50 A1C is right around 6.8 and even you know what i'm seeing online is telling me that at 50 it's a suggestion of diabetic, diabetes if you're symptomatic if you're not symptomatic of diabetes two tests on separate occasions are needed like you're right in that odd space it just where it's not it's not quite all can i ask you which side you like do you hope it stays like this longer or do you hope it just it just goes so it's more predictable
1: um i would prefer to stay like this I think because it's cheaper
0: (laughs) (laughs) there you go (laughs) less insulin less gear less trouble exactly yeah yeah so when you talk about like you want to do a better job is it like with the idea in your mind that you want to get on a better regimen because you understand that it's probably not
1: going to stay like this forever because I
0: think that might be something I don't know if you need to worry about that And,
1: and more just more understanding of I just need to do more research and study, I think, around more understanding of insulins and how they work. I've been on the same insulin, um, Lantus and Nova Rapids, since I was diagnosed. I don't know whether there's anything better out there for me, Mm -hmm. but that would be something that would be interesting to find out. I don't know what there is in Australia. Um, I've considered pumps in the past. um, And my biggest fear, not that I... Probably have to worry about it currently, but if it all actually does kick off and become full-blown, my biggest concern is, obviously, here in Australia, we don't have such things as omnipods at this point in time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so we have have to have the tubes, and I just read the few stories you see around Instagram, online, wherever, about people waking up with horrible issues, heat you know, ketones and all the rest of it because they've kinked their pump or they've pulled out their site or whatever.
0: And they haven't had insulin for hours and hours. And Yeah.
1: yeah. And that's and good. then to top it off, I also think I have a bit of fear of missing out. There's always some new technology on the horizon that if I get a pump now, then it's, you know, four or five years before I can get the next one. It's going to be something better in the next couple of years, I'm sure.
0: Justin, we've had a lot of really interesting looks into your psyche so far tonight. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> because I I always say, like, you know, keep up with technology, you know, when when technology demands it. When it when when a great leap is made, move with it. But if it's not a great leap, you, you know, stick with what works. But you don't want to ever look back and think, oh gosh, I'm using something that nobody uses anymore. That if somebody was diagnosed today, they would never be given what I have. You don't you don't want to be that far out of it. But it's interesting how you think about that. the idea of like you'd have like technology envy and not be able to move yep. on. you think that would bother you? Yeah, that's really something. I like you a lot, Justin. I'm glad we're doing Thanks. this. <laughs> well, you are, I mean, I agree with your assessment that i I you know, I think if I was you, I'd prefer for my pancreas to keep chugging along the way it is for as long as possible. And at the same time, I'm having trouble even imagining how much, uncertainty you live with all the time because you know what I mean? Because right now you're getting away with like an injection here, a little slow acting insulin. It's not really that big of a deal. Even a spike is 180 for you, which is of course not terrible at all. And, 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 and it's like, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, when is this going to happen? And that, and it's been going on for a really long time. I mean, honestly, is that the, do you think that's the tiring part of it at this point? Like just waiting?
1: Not something that I'd thought about, but no. I mean, it's a possibility. Yeah.
0: Just It just seems to yeah. me like it's something that's, it's right there. It's just over the horizon. It's like, it feels like maybe tomorrow's the day, tomorrow, tomorrow. And it just, you just wonder, at least, you know, if you have diabetes and you need how much you need, you're going to need insulin on a pretty consistent basis. It's always going to be that way. Um, yeah it's just, it it seems doubly unfair. I mean, if that's a, if that's a phrase, you know, you shouldn't get, you shouldn't get hit. You couldn't get zinged twice with diabetes. Like, Hey, you have type one diabetes. Like, wait, I'm 33. What are you talking about? No, isn't that a kid's thing? And then, you know, and then you, you you end up realizing it's not, you have it, but you don't need all the insulin you think. And then the guy jerks you around. And then you go to a doctor who tells you, you know, forget it. And you just have not had any stability in, your diagnosis or your care um yeah. I, I would really that would that would spin me um I, I wouldn't like that so i i can't imagine you do it either to be perfect how how is your um how much involvement does your family have with this with you do they have any or is your wife helpful or do you not are you not looking for her to be how do you handle that
1: no it's they don't have a huge amount um i think other than I think my wife now carries jelly babies or something around in her purse wherever we go on the off chance. Um, I basically just manage myself. Yeah. Get told off every now and then if I have to sneak away and treat a low because I've taken too much insulin for what I've eaten. Um, but no, it's pretty much on me.
0: Yeah. Now, I mean, I wouldn't imagine otherwise. You're at that age where it would be a strange thing to just suddenly. And and it's not like you have a ton of, like you said, you're not having a lot of lows. You're not, you don't need, I, I wouldn't see where you would need a ton of support. But at the same time, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you can put somebody in charge of being like, you know, make make one of those kids the pre-ballist kid. <laughs> just take the oldest one and go, look, every day, a half an hour before dinner, it's your job to come to daddy and say, Hey. It's half an hour till dinner. <laughs> well,
1: that's a good idea. Maybe I'll line one of them up. It would be nice if they the, like you know. One can be pre-bolus and one can be thirty minutes after eating. <laughs> It'd be nice if they earned their keep a little bit. And by the way, yeah. I've looked up look jelly like babies. Just bring me my slippers.
0: <laughs> the little one. I mean, you don't want yeah. to put you don't want to put too much on the little one right away. I just <laughs> looked up jelly babies because I didn't know what they are, and they seem oh, like okay. gummy bears covered in powdered sugar yep. without the granular sugar on top of it.
1: Uh, well, they're basically just gummy bears what um, my wife's carrying around. Oh, good for the, us. Um, yeah, but we, with um, that transmitter thing that I had, it also had a an app on my phone that I could... My wife had the same app on her phone so she could follow because one of the concerns that I did have about living on an island is that there's no way to get off the island except by boat. And if something was to happen while I was at home, I had a significant low. I was here but with the kids because my wife, she's a nurse. Mm-hmm. So she was working night shifts and stuff up until a couple of months ago. And so, you know, overnight if something had happened, then she had the readout on her phone. Right. Yeah, um, I,
0: I love the idea of, of being able to share your blood sugar with somebody. Um, you know, I was thinking, and I, I, I meant to say it earlier and I didn't, the Dexcom G5, you're right, has a sensor life of seven days, but it can be restarted when it ends. Yeah, okay. And, and so you maybe could, but the problem is, is it's it's sort of catch as catch can. After that, you don't know if you're going to get you know two more days or another week. And some people are like, I get three weeks, but I never got that much with my daughter. I don't think. I think we got into two restarts a couple of times. And I was just I was just thinking that that maybe I don't know, maybe having that data taking another shot at having that data might be valuable, but, but I don't know. Like, I mean, everyone's different. I've, I've definitely heard people say exactly like you. Like I can't, I couldn't look at it. It was too much.
1: Um, you know, I've, I tried the G five. I think I had two senses when I was back in New Zealand. Cause after the, um, but I gotta think of the polite term for him, but after the public Sultan had his go at me, I went back to the, my private endocrinologist, mm-hmm. And he said, well, the first thing we're going to do before we even look at doing anything with your license is that we're actually going to see what your sugars are doing. So um, he hooked me up with the public diabetes service and they gave me a G5 sensor to use for a week. And then I managed to convince them that they just give me another one for another week. so, I mean, that, that was really good apart from my kind of... Thought having to do finger sticks to calibrate it was
0: counterproductive. Kind of,
1: yeah, yeah, kind of strange, considering it was supposed to read my blood sugars. But you
0: know, uh, yeah, I hear you. It's and the new one is, I have to admit, it is nice. It's you know, not having to do the finger sticks is is definitely a bonus. I mean, any involvement. I mean, back to your original point, I guess any involvement that you can take away with diabetes, to me, is is great. You know, the less yeah. I have to think about it during the day, the better. But but I will say this, and I know you've probably heard this if you if, you know if you've been listening. I think that once you kind of get to a rhythm with the pre-bolishing and the following up, I actually think that that at least for me it has been, and for my daughter, less actual time involvement every day than the opposite. Like like I know yeah. it's it's tough to remember to do something, but at least those moments are a split second or, you know, a couple of minutes to do this thing to stop hours of something else from happening. And I've always tried to like, think of it that way because I I hear you. I I mean, I'm not, I wish everybody knew me better. I'm, I'm not the, I'm not the poster boy for like, uh, you you know, for, for planning ahead, you know? Um, and so it doesn't come naturally to me to think about it either. Um, and, and I get better at it as I go, but I've also found ways around it and because of having sensor technology and being able to see Arden's Dexcom, if I miss a pre bolus, then I do something I call over bolusing so if it was something yeah. you know if it was something that was gonna take five units, <clears throat> excuse me, but I couldn't get get it in in time, well, then I would just bolus the five units for the food plus insulin for the for the rise that I know was going to come plus the number and having to get back down again. And, and if you kind of like, you know, over bolus, I've heard people call it a super bolus. If you do that, you can crush the spike before it comes and it doesn't cause a low later. Um, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that you can't, I think it's difficult to learn without the, without seeing the sensor. Um, yeah, you, you know, or, or wanting to test incredibly frequently afterwards which nobody wants to do either. I mean, in the end, uh. obviously Justin, you're an adult. You'll do whatever you want to do. But there there is I do genuinely believe that, you know, mm-hmm. in I guess in the simplest way of saying it, an ounce of prevention, right? Like just a, a little bit up front stops a lot from happening later. And and yep. you might not find that. I I don't know, but I am interested to find out how how you go with this. I hope we keep in touch yeah yeah for sure yeah i would re- I would really like to now I have one question to ask you
1: you have yes. a you have an Instagram account I do have an Instagram account. It's not a very popular one, but it's there on instagram
0: <laughs> but but you yeah. do but but I can't tell if it's funny. you don't put your face on frequently no but at one no, point on there, at there was a silhouette of a rather handsome man. And then there was joking that this person was in great shape, and I'm like, is this actually Justin or is it a picture of someone else and they're joking about it? Are you willing to tell me?
1: I can't remember the photo. Probably was me. And it was probably a very sarcastic uh <laughs> it's... A very sarcastic thing, but uh... I just think
0: it's fantastic that you have an Instagram account where I can't hundred percent tell if it's you or not. <laughs> I think that that indicates well done in, in my opinion. <laughs> so I don't know if the kids think about it that way, but I thought it was spectacular. So let me find, and you've hurt yourself recently, haven't you?
1: I did. Yep. A- 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 ACL. Did
0: you have a surgery?
1: Yeah. I, I, I ruptured my ACL at the start of December and had the surgery three weeks, four, nearly four weeks ago now, I think.
0: That's terrible. It, it, it painful mm. I'm assuming
1: um it is at times it kind of fluctuates it feels really good, and then it'll get a bit hurt a bit more and nighttime's really the the problem I find I can get a good four hours' sleep and then wake up and the leg will be a bit achy and it just keeps me awake yeah. it's that and it's it's that intense ache. Now it's not it's not really sore but it's a it's that ache that's just really irritating.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I said to my wife this morning that I had to go down and try and sleep on the couch because it's quite hot here in Sydney at the moment so we had the fan going overnight and just the noise of the fan I wanted to throw it out the window because my knee was just irritating me so much. Yeah.
0: How is it on your blood sugar the the surgery and and the pain and and all that is it does it affect you greatly?
1: Um I th- I think the pain might affect me a little bit cuz mm-hmm. my blood sugars seem to be when I get up in the morning they seem to be increasing a little bit even without actually eating.
0: Yeah, it's pretty common I think.
1: But um it's actually I've been a little bit unwell for the last couple of weeks as well so my um my blood sugars have actually been probably quite stable I think the last couple of weeks. Yeah. But it was interesting it's a, it's the first major surgery Call an ACL a major surgery that I've ever had. So it was interesting being in hospital. I stayed a night in hospital with my diabetes, and the hospital I was at just really didn't know what to do with me. That is so, a
0: common occurrence. I don't. I don't think it matters what country you're in. You know, they're not good at 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 managing type one and insulin in a hospital setting. They they leave you really high and treat it like an afterthought which is you know which of course is just terrible for healing you know the higher your blood sugar is the the slower you heal so yeah d- that- yeah I,
1: I just managed i was only in there for a night and just managed all my own stuff but not long after my surgery i had a junior doctor come into my <coughs> sorry um junior doctor come into my hospital room and he was like what's your uh, normal diabetic regime He's like well i normally take between i don't know three and six Units of insulin per meal, depending on what I'm eating. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, that doesn't work for this chart. So, for this chart, <laughs> what do we put down? Like, <laughs> so, oh, look, just put down six.
0: Yeah. You write down whatever so, you want and I'll take care of it. How's that sound? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I almost, um, I, I had uh, a person from Australia who will be on the show wanted me to come down and and do a like a day-long
1: bold with insulin conversation. And Yes, I just saw that on Facebook. She was trying to fundraise or something for it.
0: Yeah, and she just it it kind of it didn't it didn't work out. It was a lot of money that would have needed to be raised to to haul my carcass all the way to Australia. But we tried really hard to get um, you know somebody to back it, like a company to back it, but the problem ends up being is that most of the companies I have relationship with don't sell a lot of products in Australia. So there's not a, not, not a, not a real big calling for Omnipod to do marketing in a country where they can't sell an Omnipod. Although they, they do really seem like they are working towards it. But, um, I, I, I was just really touched that you have no idea how many people listen in Australia and New Zealand. I, the downloads there are, they overwhelm me every time I, I, I take a look at them. I'm, I'm, I'm Please that that everybody enjoys the show so for those people they're going to hear a an accent finally that they can they can understand a little better <laughs> instead of I, know, I don't
1: know what it, i don't know what sort of accent i've got at the moment or <laughs> sure it's going to be a mix of australian and new zealand so they might be a bit confused at times <laughs> that's excellent
0: can you tell me we're up on an hour and I, I am going to let you go but i wanted to um I i want to say something very american to you for a second What's the greatest difference between Australia and New Zealand, like living from place to place?
1: Do you want to go diabetes related?
0: No, I, I just in general, like, like what's, you know, if I was going to move and I, you know, what's the selling point for New Zealand versus the selling point from Australia? Like what, what's, what's great about living in both places?
1: Um, Australia is, if you like the warmth, it's well, where I am in Sydney, New South Wales—it's—it's it's a very warm, sunny place. You know, the, I think the days of sun probably outweigh the days of rain, so it's quite nice from that point of view. Um, for me, I think I'll always be a New Zealander, and it's New Zealand—it's just an amazing country. Everybody's just so much more relaxed. Um, we have—I'm um, very much a you know, what do you say—a a justice-driven person. So New Zealand's very I think, is quite a lot more, I'm probably going to upset a lot of Australians here, but it's, it's a lot more of an accepting country than Australia is.
0: So a little more liberal in, it's more liberal, um, sexuality, preference, stuff like that?
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. race, culture, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, it's not perfect. There's right. still, you know, racism in every country, but I find the differences are quite have been quite stark between the two countries in that respect. But just, you know, the sceneries, I, when I met my wife, I was here in Australia working as a, um, an outdoors instructor. When I first came over, I was like, Oh, this, the scenery here is not very good because it's a lot of gum trees. It's a lot of grays and Browns and, you know, mm-hmm. everything else. And, so it's, like it's not very good, but then as you spend more time here, you understand, you, you kind of get to understand that it's it's got a beauty of its own. Those greys and those browns produce something that is actually produces quite really nice scenery. Right. Whereas New Zealand's a lot of greens and browns and you know kind of more vibrant colours than Australia. And New Zealand's a lot smaller. Where I grew up, we could go to the snow in two and a half hours to the beach in forty five minutes. Um we could go bushwalking in like 10 minutes. Um we could go to a city in like half an hour. I was born in a small town. Okay. So the closest city was about half an hour, 45 minutes away. So it's just very small, compact. Um and yeah, I don't know. I I I just love it to you be love,
0: honest. Yeah, no, it it sounds. I mean, both places are I, are places I'd love to see, but you describe uh, a love for New Zealand that that's hard to ignore. Plus, you just named the podcast episode uh, because this one will definitely be called Bushwalking with Justin, and <laughs> <laughs> because that is a phrase I've just never heard before in my entire life. <laughs> You
1: may want to be careful which countries your podcast goes out into. <laughs> You'd say bushwalking.
0: <laughs> well, well, we'll see. I really liked it. I have to tell you. Um,
1: what, just what do you? you I, th- I think Americans, it's just hiking. That's I can throw the other. Can throw the other one out there that you may have heard if you've talked to any New Zealanders, or had anything to do with New Zealand, and that's tramping.
0: Yeah, that definitely sounds like finding a loose woman to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it's the same as bushwalking and hiking, but gosh. I don't know where it came from. No
0: kidding. Uh, and so you said you've been sick recently. Is it like a uh, – and you've coughed a number of times, which I'll edit out so most people won't hear. But is it a chest cold or, or have you just had an illness of – it's been hanging uh, on
1: Uh It's just a – of illness. I had a week of nausea and then I've had a week and a bit of this dry cough Mm -hmm. and fevers and stuff. So that sucks. Is what it
0: is. Yeah, no, I I hear that. I'm, and, and what right now it's winter here. So you're, you're in summer now, you said, um, when does, when, and what month do you turn towards, like, do you get a fall or do you go right into winter months or how does, how does the transition happen? Um, here in
1: Australia, there's, probably not too much of an autumn or a fall. Mm-hmm. It just kind of gets colder. You know, like like winter here in Sydney, um, it's not significant. You might get the odd day where you get into single digits. Okay. Or at least last winter, there wasn't much in the way of single digit temperatures. It was actually quite a warm winter. Um, obviously other parts of Australia, as you go further south, they have the ski fields and stuff that get a bit colder okay. up in the mountains and things. But um I think here in Sydney, there's probably not a huge transition between summer and winter. Yeah, there's less in New and Zealand less, noticed it a bit more.
0: There's less and less here. I'm on the East Coast and there, I mean, as I don't want to sound like an old person, but when I, when I was growing up, I, I felt there was a real delineation between winter, spring, summer, fall. Like you could feel the transitions and yeah. in this week alone and that, you know, the temperatures might mean little to you, but it's going to snow here. Uh, in the next day or so. So it's going to be below 32 degrees zero for you. And yeah. and three days later, it's supposed to be 65 degrees outside. So oh, really? I just don't, you know, it, it's all over the place. So I was, I was really interested in that. What month does winter come for you? Like, when do you think of winter um, starting?
1: Probably May,
0: maybe. Okay.
1: so just Somewhere around a, there.
0: Just as our spring is kind of is rolling along yeah so, well that's incredibly interesting i i'm thrilled that you were able to do this and i appreciate you reaching out um i, uh, I no, i'm glad
1: we could do it now
0: yeah now and yeah so for people who are listening uh and don't know justin and i kind of banged into each other at a lucky time where he was uh, uh, available and i was um because we had it planned for 1 a.m his time which uh would not have been fun for him so this is this is much better i'm, I'm, I'm really glad this worked out like this Um, Yeah, yeah, you more than me. I was just going to be up a little early in the morning, which wasn't really bad at all. (laughs) Justin, thank you for coming on the show and being so open and honest. Thank you to Omnipod, Dexcom, and Dancing for Diabetes for supporting with your advertising. Thank you guys for considering the advertisers to support the podcast. It's the circle of life. (laughs) Learn more At juiceboxpodcast.com, or in the links in your show notes about all the advertisers. And guys, we are so close to the 1 million download celebration beginning. It's coming! One last thing. It was my birthday last week, and I put up a post on social media basically saying, it's my birthday. Get me something for my birthday. Here's what you can get me. Share the podcast with somebody else. I wrote a short post, and I talked about some of the feedback that I had gotten just that morning, and... You know, I just said, look, look at all the positive feedback coming back from the podcast. So, you know, if you think you know somebody who would be helped by it or entertained by it or would find it useful, share it with them. That would be a great birthday present for me if you shared the podcast. So not only do people do that all the time, and I really appreciate it, but something incredibly unexpected happened. In that post, there were hundreds of replies from people who listen who've been impacted by the show. So if you took the time to share your experience with the podcast with me in one of those social media posts, either on Instagram or Facebook, please know that at some point on my birthday, I either got really teary eyed or in one situation cried at a traffic light because of something you guys wrote. And it was much more of a birthday present than I deserved or or expected. I just wanted you guys to share the podcast with other people. I just wanted you to go to other people and say, hey, this is how the juice box podcast has helped me. I didn't think you were going to tell me how it's helped you. And I wasn't ready for that to be honest. It was very impactful. Thank you very much. There'll be a defining diabetes episode on Friday again. And uh, I think by next week we should be ready to talk about the millionth episode celebration and giveaway. Thank you guys again so much for listening. I'll see you next week.